Welcome in to another episode of the Buncombe Street United Methodist Church podcast. I am your host, Chris Ashley. I'm the Director of Congregational Engagement here at Buncombe Street, and I'm excited to be with you again this week as we look to kick off a new series with our podcast. So if you tuned in last week for our inaugural episode, you got to hear from our senior minister, Reverend Brian Gilmer. And it is my hope that each and every week we'll get to talk with a special guest, whether it's somebody on staff or potentially one of you who's listening, a member, we would love to have a wide variety of people. So if you're someone hearing this and you would be interested in being on the podcast, I would invite you to just shoot me an email, chris.ashley at bsumc.com. And just let me know that that's something you'd be interested in. I'd love to uh, fill in some gaps we have in the hosting duties going forward. Now, this week, we are going to kick off a brand new series that's going to take us through most of the fall called Fruits of the Spirit. We're going to be focusing on that passage in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul lists off the fruits of the Spirit and go one by one. Each of our guests is going to take one and discuss that each and every week. For this week, week one, your special guest is, well, it's me. We don't have an actual guest on the podcast, but I'm going to set up the series and I'm going to take the first fruit, the fruit of love. But hopefully today, after you listen, you'll know a little bit more about the fruit of the spirit love. And then you will also know what this series is going to look like going forward throughout the fall. So each week, when we welcome on a guest, I'm going to have that guest talk a little bit about their background with our church how they got there, what their role is, whether it's as a member or as someone on staff, and uh, and just how they engage with Buncombe Street. So since I'm the guest, in a sense, this week, I'm going to share you a little bit about my connection to Buncombe Street. Now, a lot of you know that I came to Buncombe Street in 2009 as one of the youth pastors on staff. I spent six wonderful years uh, serving the high school ministry at Buncombe Street, and then felt God very clearly leading me back to grad school to pursue my master's degree, and spent a couple years in the secular sector, and now I'm back as the director of congregational engagement in a role that I think really suits me, and I'm excited to be able to do some things like this podcast in order to engage our members on a deeper level. Now, let's talk a little bit about this Fruit of the Spirit series. What led to us doing this? Well, the cool thing about the Fruit of the Spirit is it gives us a chance to really hone in on some specific things throughout a season in our church. And and right now, as we're getting kicked back off, we're getting going again, we're trying to figure out what our new normal is, this is a great opportunity for us to dive in deep with something like the Fruit of the Spirit that that can enrich each and every one of us. So, To start off, I would love to just read the passage that these fruits come from. So this comes from Galatians chapter 5. This is a letter from Paul to one of the churches in the the ancient biblical area, the Middle East, if you will. And so normally folks really hone in on verses 22 and 23. That's the actual listing of the fruits of the Spirit. But I want to back up a little bit. I want to help put these this list into context for you. Because when we look at something like a list of the fruits of the Spirit, it's important to know what, what the, the context is. What is Paul communicating here when he lists these things? So I'm going to start reading in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, starting in verse 13. 
And this is from the English Standard Version. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul here is creating this dichotomy against between freedom in the Spirit, those who are in Christ are free in the Spirit, and the bondage of the flesh, the things of the flesh that we know are going to drag us down. And that's an important thing to recognize when we're reading this fruit of the Spirit list. It's not just this nice list of things we can put up in our Sunday school class or in our home and say, yeah, these are the things we're striving to achieve. I think there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to know it's a dichotomy. It's a choice. It's as, it's as much about something that we're running away from as it is something that we're running to. Fruit, then, is the evidence of a relationship and a daily encounter with Jesus. And it is exercise for our soul, right? When you want to start losing weight or you want to get in better shape or you want to train for a marathon, you set things in front of you as milestones and markers and things that I can point to and say, these are the things I'm going to accomplish. And so I've run a couple half marathons in my life. You might not believe it by looking at me, but when you're training to run a half marathon or a marathon or a 5K or a 10K or really any kind of race, you set these hurdles for yourself. You say, okay, week one, I'm going to, by Saturday, I'm going to run three miles. And then the next week it might be three and a half or four. And then the next week I'm going to try to get to five and six and seven, and so on and so on, until you get to the point where you can run the full length of those races. And that's kind of what this fruit of the spirit is as well. It's, it's these mile markers of if I can get to the place where I recognize love and joy and peace and patience and the whole gamut of these in my life on a daily basis, I can feel a lot better about the fact that I am pursuing the things and the freedom of the spirit rather than choosing the bondage of the flesh and my own desires. I can believe that I'm choosing the freedom of Jesus rather than the bondage of the law. And that's what Paul is really trying to get across in this passage. 
So each week, again, when we come together on this series of the fruits of the Spirit to to talk about the individual fruits, after the the guest shares their story, their connection with our church, I'm going to ask each of them the same five questions around their particular fruit that they're going to be talking about that week. And so I'm going to just walk through those questions with you today as we talk about the fruit of love. So the first question I want to ask each and every person is to give a definition or their definition or something that they believe to be a a form of a definition of that particular fruit. So for me, when I think about the idea of love, uh, it's really really an easy thing to to me to just run to Scripture. And there's, there's a very familiar passage, another letter written by Paul to the Corinthians. Uh, And you hear this passage read a lot at weddings because, hey, weddings are a time to celebrate love. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4, talks about what love is and what love isn't. And that helps us to define what biblical love looks like. It says, starting in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. And so that's a great starting point when we think about love. And the other other place I like to run to is the words of Jesus, not specifically seeking to define love, but rather in response to a question he's asked in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus says, not only is love this thing that you embrace and embody in your life, but it's actually a command for you to obey. So much so that he says everything, the law, the prophets, everything that you need to believe and do as a follower of me is boiled down to two things. Love God and love everybody else. If we can just love, then we get it. So when I, look about, when I think about a definition for biblical love, I think that's where I run to. So the second question I want to ask each and every person about their fruit of the Spirit is, how have you seen your particular fruit manifest itself in your life? So for me, how have I seen love manifest itself in my life? Well, when I hear that question, the first and obvious answer is to to run to my marriage and my relationship with my two girls as a father. You know, when... I met my wife uh, at Buncombe Street and we started dating and you know that you grow and you you pursue and you spend time and you you figure out you really like this person and you decide to ask them to marry you and you get married and then you start living together and journeying together as a team and that's a kind of love that I think you don't get to experience until you get to that point in your life and the same can be said for having children like a, a love between a parent and a child in a lot of ways is it's not better or worse than the the love of a spouse but it's very different 
And again, it's something you don't get to experience until you're in that stage of your life. And I think the cool thing is, is that both, both aspects of love in that respect give us a peek into the relationship of the Trinity, right? The, the marriage relationship to becoming one. You learn a little bit about this idea of three-in-one Trinity and what that kind of love might look like in its perfected form. And then with a parent relationship, you learn about God's fatherhood and, and what that looks like. And he sees us as his children and how he cares and loves for us. So when I think about how it's manifested in itself in my life, marriage and kids, that's two really easy ways for me to point to. But then I think about maybe one that's not as easy and not as clean and crisp. And that's uh, the loving the, your neighbor piece and, and kind of learning what it means to really love your neighbor. That's been something for me that has not always been easy. You know, I grew up in church and we used to always talk about spending time with your non-Christian friends and, you know, trying to lead them to Jesus. And what does that mean? And, and to be quite honest with you, I feel like for most of my life, I've kind of lived in this bubble where it's been hard for me to really identify like, oh, these are my definitively lost friends. Um, you know, I grew up in church. A lot of my friends were in church. A lot of the friends outside of church were people that I knew through Christian activities, whether that was Young Life or FCA or things like that. And then I went to a Christian college and I went straight into ministry. And a lot of the relationships I built as an adult have been centered around my vocation as a pastor. And so it's been hard to not be and live in that bubble because that's safe for me. But a few years ago, I started getting uh, connected to a crowd in Greenville that I had not ever been around before. And that was the crowd of soccer lovers. I'm a soccer lover. I'm a soccer fan. I'm a really committed and dedicated soccer fan in a lot of ways. Um, but the thing about it is like, here was something that was bringing me and connecting me to a group of people that wasn't centered around my faith or my job as a pastor. It was centered around sport and activity and something, a, a team, right? And so I started to meet a lot of people that really, some just outright have told me that they don't believe in the Lord. And it's been so great to experience what it looks like to love your neighbor in that respect. So I have a, a mentor who once uh, encouraged me to have a wild and holy curiosity with people like that, with anyone really. And he said that, you know, whenever we're engaging with someone, when we're in a conversation or we're face to face with someone, that person is either in Christ or they're not in Christ. And it's our job to know that they are one of those two things. But it's not our job to figure out which one they are. It's not our job to figure out, am I supposed to be evangelizing or discipling this person? Am I supposed to, you know, figure out where they stand with Jesus? Or am I supposed to just know that everyone is interacting with Jesus on one way or the other, whether they like it or not? They're either in Christ or they're not. And Jesus is taking care of the which one they are part. It's only my job to be there and to wonder what is God up to in this conversation? Why did God bring us together in this moment? And that's been a really interesting learning process for me to, to experience and manifest love in that way in my life. So before we get to question number three, I want to take a break and do a little bit of a commercial here today. Um, every time we have someone on the show, I want them to be able to promote things maybe within their ministry that 
they might not otherwise get a lot of promotion for. And so for me, one thing I would love to talk about is our Engage class. Now, Engage has taken the place of what a lot of people might remember as Compass class, but it's different. And the reason we changed the name is important because Compass class was really a class for membership. It was people who wanted to join the church, and this is the, the way to do that. An Engage class still meets that need. It is the pathway to membership, but it is not exclusively a membership class. It's an engagement class. It's a class that I hope members would uh, consider going through because I think the, the heart of it is that everyone has another thing they can do to engage our church and a next step for them. So the four sessions, it's a four session class. I don't like to say it's a four week class because there's you don't have to take it four weeks in a row. You don't have to take it in any order, but it's a four session class. And the sessions are about finding your place, which is all about the church, who we are, what we believe, and kind of what it means to, to be a member. There's the second week, which is find your purpose. That's all about serving and missions and spiritual gifts. We actually take the spiritual gifts test in the class. So if you've never done that, that's a great week to come to, to kind of figure out what God has gifted you with and where you can use that in the kingdom. Week three is all about finding your family. It's about groups and Sunday school classes and next things to get plugged into to have community and the importance of that. And week four is about finding your next step. Everybody has a next thing for them. And so week four, we talk about a multitude of opportunities you would have, whether you're someone who doesn't know Jesus or isn't a member of our church, or whether you're somebody who's literally grown up in this church, you've been a member as long as you can remember, and you've done seemingly everything there is to do, there's still more for you to do. We still need you. So I would invite you to consider that. Uh, the, the weeks are really easy to remember. Session one happens every first Sunday of the month, session two every second Sunday, session three every third Sunday, and session four every fourth Sunday. You don't have to take them all unless you are experiencing the class to become a member. Um, so you can pick and choose if there's one that sounds interesting to you. And you don't have to take them in any order or in any set period of time. So I would encourage you to consider Engage Class wherever you fall in the midst of the life and body of our church. All right, let's get back to the show. So question number three in the Fruit of the Spirit series is always going to be around, why is it hard for us to choose this spiritual fruit rather than the desires of our flesh and choosing to be in bondage to the flesh. So why is it why is love hard to reach for first? Well, I've always told people that there's two things that I try really hard not to pray to God for. And those two things are patience and love. And that's a little bit of kind of being silly and funny with this, but it speaks to the way that God tends to answer our prayers, right? I always say, if you pray for love, God's going to give you someone in your life that's hard to love. And if you pray for patience, God's going to put something in your life that tests your patience so that you understand that it's not about your power. It's about reliance on Him. So I think, honestly, that's sometimes why love is hard to reach for first, because sometimes there are just people in our life that are hard to love. And that could look like a whole multitude of things. But I think a lot of it, especially nowadays, centers around point number two for me about why it's so hard to choose love first. And that is because I think increasingly we live in a culture built upon division. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I think everything we experience in life and in society today tries to categorize us in one of a series of boxes. You're Republican or you're Democrat. You're Christian or you're not Christian. You're a tiger or you're a gamecock. You know, whatever. Run that your socioeconomic status, your race, your belief system, all of these things are built upon separating us out and segmenting us out and dividing us. And so because we live in that kind of world, it is hard to choose love sometimes because it's hard to, just like I talked about before with my experience of not really venturing outside of my bubble much for most of my life, we don't like to leave our comfort zone. That's why it's called a comfort zone. We want to live there. We want to surround ourselves with like-minded people, um, maybe people that are in a common stage of life in a common socioeconomic level to us, it's just comfortable. And so it's hard to choose love first a lot of times, especially with people that fall outside of our comfort zone because we're not used to it. And it's scary and uncomfortable. And sometimes we don't know what the right thing to do or say is. It doesn't make it right, but it just speaks to why it's sometimes hard to reach for love first. So the fourth question I'm going to ask each and every person about their fruit of the Spirit is, how can believers work to cultivate this particular fruit in their lives? So what do I think about how you can cultivate love in your life? Well, for me, I think the easiest thing to do, you know, we looked at Matthew chapter 22 where we learn about, you know, experiencing love and and living into love in our walk with the Lord is about loving God and loving our neighbor. So I kind of want to focus on that. So how can I focus on cultivating love for God in my life? Well, just like any relationship, any love-based relationship, whether it's, um, you know, a marriage or a dating or engagement relationship, or whether it's a friendship, or whether it's a parent-child relationship or sibling relationship, whatever kind of relationship that is built upon love, which they all at their core are, they all kind of have a lot of the same markers in them, right? Like spending time together. That's pretty basic. You want to get to know somebody, you're going to spend time with them. When my wife and I were dating, I lived up near Traveler's Rest. She lived in Malden. And every day for two and a half years, I drove from Traveler's Rest to Malden and back home every day because it was important that we spend time together. It was important important we get to know each other. That's how a loving relationship grows and flourishes. The other thing that happens as a part of that time together is conversation. I think entering into conversation with people is a very underrated pursuit. Um, And especially in conversation with God, uh, you know, we do that in a multitude of ways. We pray to Him. That's how we speak to Him. We read His Word. We read the Bible. That's one of the ways He speaks to us. We listen. Sometimes I feel like we don't always listen enough to our heart stirrings, to the things God is telling us. And sometimes it's through heart stirrings, sometimes it's through His Word, and quite frankly, sometimes it's through other people. My whole choice to go back to grad school was God told me that three times before I actually listened, through three different people, through a a boss of mine at Buncombe Street, through uh, Jerry Temple, told me that when Jennifer and I were getting ready to get married, through a former student of mine who was in the youth ministry at the time that said, hey, I think you should consider doing this. Um, had no reason to say that to me. So that was kind of, you know, one of the one of the things that led me to do that was God speaking to me through other people. 
And then I think about how can we cultivate love for our neighbor in our life? Well, I think we have to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations and environments. You know, I talked about getting outside of our comfort zone. Find something. It doesn't, you don't have to go so far off the grid of like, well, let me just completely pick the opposite of me and go put myself in that position. But find a place that, at least at first, that maybe there is something that ties you there, right? For me, it was soccer. Like, I love soccer. I don't necessarily have a relationship with all the people that also love soccer, but putting myself in there, having something in common with them, and then kind of building upon that, that's a way to put yourself around people that you wouldn't normally encounter. And once you get in those situations, I think it's important to pursue conversations. I think you got to listen to people, to their thoughts, their beliefs, the things that are going on in their lives. You can ask questions. That's a underrated skill, I think, in our life. That's something I'm trying to be better at is just asking questions and listening. Listening, we have, you know, there's an old adage that we have two ears and one mouth. So we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. And, you know, I, I'm a preacher at heart, so it's hard for me to not want to talk. But I'm trying to do better about listening and asking questions to promote that conversation. I think one thing we can do in the midst of those conversations too is wrestle with ideas. If you find something that you differ on, whether it's a belief or a lifestyle choice or whatever, like just wrestling through that with people. And and sometimes the best things that I, the best ways I grow and learn is through wrestling with things. I either strengthen my own belief or I can reconsider what I believe to be true through conversation with other people who have differing viewpoints. And that could be within faith circles. That could be, you know, someone who thinks differently about a specific biblical passage or topic, or it could be just a general worldview question, political things or socioeconomic things or racial things or whatever they are, just listening and wrestling together in a spirit of love, I think can really help to work on that loving your neighbor. And then finally, I think, again, having that wild and holy curiosity about everyone we encounter, wondering with each person we come into contact with, what is God up to? I think if you approach every interaction you have with that in your mind, it will open a lot of things. It'll open your eyes to a lot of different aspects of people, which is really kind of a unique experience and something that I'm trying to get better at and really, really working towards in my life. So the fifth question we want to discuss about each fruit of the Spirit is kind of just a fun question. I think there's something we can learn from some of the answers. We can learn maybe about the people who are answering the question, and maybe there's even some insight into uh, something about this fruit, too, with this question. So question number five is, if your spiritual fruit, if your fruit of the Spirit that we're discussing that week was an actual fruit, which fruit would it be? So again, this is kind of just, you know, I'm a former youth pastor. I sometimes have these kind of goofy ideas, but I was just thinking like, man, this would be kind of a fun exercise to see what people say. So I'm going to answer the question. If love was an actual fruit, what do I think it would be? Well, I started thinking love, you know, you, you read in first Corinthians, the passage we went to. And at the end, Paul says, uh, three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I think love is something that is foundational and understandable to every person. I think it's not hard to really get a grasp on what that means as a fruit of the Spirit. So it almost kind of think, I almost kind of think, well, it should be something that's like 
a really popular fruit or something that everybody can get behind and say, yeah, this is a good fruit. But I started thinking about what love is and what love is in terms of a fruit of the Spirit and kind of some of the things I've talked about today that, yeah, it's it's great, and I think we can all get behind it and say, yeah, love, let's do it. This is an easy one. This is one we should do. But when you kind of peel back the layer, sometimes it can be really hard and it can be really difficult. So I'm going to go with a lemon because I think I think when I think about a lemon, not everybody loves just to eat a lemon on its own. Some people do. Uh, my mom does. My daughter does. I kind of do. But a lemon is a fruit that, you know, you add a little bit to it. You kind of take it and and add some sugar and some water and you get lemonade. Or you take take a slice and you squeeze it over some seafood and it just heightens that experience. L- lemon is one of those things that's like when it's added to, man, it's it's almost unbeatable. And I think that's that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot similar to love, right? When love, when we have love and we can pour love into a situation, it makes it that much better. So yeah, I'm going to go with a lemon representing uh, the love of the fruit of the spirit. Well, there you have it. That is week one of our fruit of the spirit series on the fruit of love. I hope you have learned something or gleaned something, or maybe just had a different perspective of something come up as we've chatted today Hey, listen, I'm grateful that you chose to tune in. This is uh, an engagement resource for you. It's something that we want to help you feel more connected throughout the week to our church family. So I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and that you will tune in for future episodes. The easiest way to do that is to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so that each week when it drops on Wednesdays, you will have it there available for you when you wake up in the morning. Hey, until we get back together again next week, Grace and peace to you all.